you could you can live creatively in a way that centers yourself and your family and your ethics and your ethos that doesn't require you busting your butt. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mother of the Mother podcast. I am your host, McLean McGowan. So happy to be with you here today. And wow, like deep exhale. It is a very potent and intense moment in time right now, especially if you reside in the state of California or New York, um, when it comes to our medical freedoms. We've just had some major blows to uh, our medical freedom and sovereignty of self. And if you follow me on Instagram at Mother the Mother, you have seen my shares. I have been what I hope is informative and not uh, too angry, but I am angry. I am outraged at what's happening in our state and for our own bodies and the bodies of our children. And, you know, this whole term of pro-vax or anti-vax, that is actually um, not what's happening. And it has been a huge, for lack of a better word, conspiracy to paint a picture of crazy mothers who uh, are not based any, not basing anything on science and are quote-unquote anti-vaxxers. And this movement is pro-child. So I refuse to use that terminology anti-vaxxer because honestly, I would say 99% of the people I know that have been fighting against this bill, SB 276, which has now been passed by Governor Newsom into law, they're not anti-vax, they're pro-child and they're pro-keeping the relationship between doctor and patient sacred as our country has been built. And I did post this on my stories, but I'm going to take this opportunity to read this because I think it's really important. I ask of you, I urge you to please use your voice in whatever big or small ways you can. You don't have to be on a public forum. You don't have to be on social media. But even having conversations with people in your own life that delay vaccinate or don't vaccinate or do fully vaccinate, just having these conversations because I think there's so much shame that many women aren't speaking out. But it is, it's compliant if you don't use your voice at all or email uh, or legislation or you know, use hashtags. There's so many great movements on social media, on Instagram going on right now. And it's not just this topic. It's our country is in a dire state. And whatever ways that you can be proactive, we need you. We need every single woman and mother on the front lines in whatever ways that means to you. And if you are a white woman, you are a woman of privilege. And that does not mean that we haven't gone through our own shit because we all have. It means that we have not been judged and classified and been discriminated against for our skin color. We all have for being women, of course, but I feel that it is my duty to speak up for all of us as women and children, no matter what color we are. And the fact that I am privileged and white and you know, have honestly skated through this life, at least politically and uh through bureaucracy very easily. I take ownership of that. And that is why I feel like this is part of my dharma is to uh, be a voice and be a voice for the children and mothers that have been injured. 
So this is a reading by Benjamin Rush. He was a founding father, physician, writer, educator, born January 4th, 1746, and died April 19th, 1813. And he was a co-writer of the Declaration of Independence. So um, I'm going to read this because I think it is pertinent always and especially right now to get back to the basics of our forefathers and our country. And, you know, legislation doesn't change overnight. It's little, little microaggressions, different pieces of papers, hundreds and thousands of papers taking away our own control of our lives. And that's how it happens. It's so little, it seems like not a big deal until they all add up and then we're fucked. And that's exactly what has happened. Uh, In 2015, SB 277 was the uh, law that was passed to amend or to eradicate rather the religious exemptions in California. And that has just been passed, that same law. I don't know if it's the same number, but that same law has just been passed in New York as well. Um, So the religious exemptions went away. So no matter what your religious beliefs are, that didn't matter. And now the medical exemptions have been taken away. So this is again from Benjamin Rush. Unless we put medical freedom into the Constitution, the time will come when medicine will organize into an undercover dictatorship to restrict the art of healing to one class of men and deny equal privileges to others. The Constitution of the Republic should make a special privilege for medical freedoms as well as religious freedom, end quote. That is literally one of the founding pillars of this country. And, you know, there's still a lot of miseducation, misinterpretation. I know personally through my own circle of friends and women and community that it just seemed like, oh, those people don't want to vaccinate. I've already vaccinated my kids or my kids are older now. Um, It doesn't really concern me. And so just kind of, you know, I mean, we're all bombarded. Look, life is very full. I'm not trying to shame anyone, but it has looked like it wasn't a lot of people's problem. But in fact, it's going to become all of our problems because this is just a gateway to start taking away more and more medical freedoms because mandated vaccinations for adults is coming down the pipeline. And I am not anti-vax. I don't care what you do with your family. I think vaccinations in certain situations are needed. I'm not disputing any of that. And I'm not going to go up against people because this is such a divisive topic. What I am saying is that every child, every human has a different genetic makeup. We're all made very differently. And to not take that into account when getting medical procedures is insanity. And vaccines are not studied and proven safe like other drugs. They never have been. And that's because the CDC, which is supposed to be fighting for us, the people, is one of the biggest makers of vaccinations. It's a multi-multi-billion dollar industry per year on vaccinations. So there's no neutral party looking out for us. So you have to do your due diligence. I'm not going to go into all of it because it's such a massive rabbit hole. If you're curious, find groups, find Instagram accounts to follow, get reputable sources and and do your due diligence and study. And it's hard. It takes a lot of energy. I'm completely exhausted um, emotionally and physically. It is a lot that's been going on. These mothers have been arrested this week in peaceful protests at the Capitol But what has been so beautiful is seeing the strength of women as we rise up, as we say no more. We are not going to be shunned. We are not letting this bond between us and our child be broken by our government and by Big Pharma. And that's what this whole movement is about. Again, circling back, I don't care what you do. That's your choice. That is between you and your doctor and your child's genetic makeup. We all deserve the right to make those decisions for ourselves. And I want every woman to really think about that. If you are a feminist, if you're on these lines fighting for abortion rights and stop the bans, you have to look at vaccinations because how is that different? 
the only thing different is the mechanism. But what is the truth and what is the same is medical freedom and the right to choose being taken from us. So we all need to be fighting together. This is all about us. And it's got to change with the women. It's got to change with the mothers because that's how you change the tide. So I urge you to use your voice. Please support our sisters. Please support women who have vaccine injured kids. Please protect them because they are the real heroes in this fight and they're getting shamed. They're getting shunned. They're getting kicked out of schools. They're getting shunned out of their families. Marriages are breaking up. It's it's a real war going on. So anyway, with all the darkness, there's always light that will come up. And I have to believe that we are in this because it's been hundreds of years of deception and corruption and it's all bubbling up. And we got to get our armor on to fight. And then you also have to retreat and learn how to take care of yourself even more and a little deeper to nourish our nervous systems and really take care so that we can stay strong and keep on fighting no matter how long it takes. Not only for us and our rights, but especially for the children. So switching gears, before we go into the interview, I just wanted to check in with all of you. And for those of you that uh, I worked as a postpartum doula with you, I'm now offering and moving deeper into my motherhood coaching practice. And it really started out organically of my old clients coming forward and saying, okay, now I'm out of the haze at six months or a year. And now I really need guidance. And I don't necessarily feel like it's therapy. It's more of needing that friend, uh, colleague, inspiration, big sister to kind of just hold the space for me to walk through to the next step of my life and motherhood. So um, I'm really excited to be offering that. If you are interested in that, please email me at McLean, which is M-C-L-E-A-N at motherthemother.com. And I can talk with you about that and what that could look like for you. I'm still, of course, doing my postpartum practice and staying very busy with that. And also just being a mom, a mom of two. So it's it's a full-on juggle, but I'm really relishing all of it. And each week, you know, figuring out the quote-unquote balance because it's never, it's never ever fully balanced. But just noticing where I can carve out those special times with each one of my kids and then them together. And then hopefully fitting in some self-care as well. It's been a a low couple of months on self-care, but I'm looking forward to things slowing down and getting back more into that because it's so important. And now I'm very excited to introduce my friend and fellow woman supporter. She's not exactly a birth worker, but she kind of is um, in her own way. She's an incredible artist, Christina Justice Rausch. And she is back in LA. She moved for a little bit. And she makes the most incredible live cast uh, pregnancy sculptures. So she comes and does the uh, plaster of Paris, I guess, mold of your belly and boobs. So your full pregnant torso. um, And does incredible artwork on them. And... Anyway, it's pretty fascinating, her work. And she's an artist just in general um, and then moved into this, but she she has the rest of her art going as well. So I will let you listen. I'll stop talking. Thank you for bearing witness to my journey as a mother and to showing up and being here because without you and without you listening and without you supporting me, I wouldn't be here. And uh, we all need that support. So sending much love out to all of you today. Keep your head up. Jayma. Hi, Christina. Hi, how are you? Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be with you today. We've been trying to get this tea for years now. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just dive right on in. What 
do you call yourself? So I am an artist. I'm a sculpture artist. And I do, I make pregnancy sculptures, womb bowls, family crests, in addition to my painting work. But most of my work is commission-based. So cool. And so did you start out doing art like in school, college, like what got you on this path? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always been an artist, you know, I was always like that weird kid (laughs) who was like stealing all the art supplies in school. And then in college, I went to Sarah Lawrence where they don't have majors, but you concentrate. So concentrated in visual arts and women's studies and religious philosophy. And I would say that if you look at my work, I think all of those are uh, represented pretty strongly, like as themes throughout it. And so when I graduated, I was, you know, showing my work, you know, living in Brooklyn, living in the city. And I started working for, as an assistant for a sculpture artist named Carol Furman. She does Mm. really super hyper realistic, large scale sculptures of swimmers and things like that. Like she did the, she was like the centerpiece in the Beijing Olympics. I mean, like really um, rigorous studio Mm. artists. And that's where I learned how to life cast mm. with the plaster, with resins. I mean, it was a, I mean, she wouldn't mind me saying this, like incredibly toxic studio. It's wow. like shocking, but. Wow. Um, Just because it was so hardcore, like the the schedule and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, no, like literally, literally toxic. Like re- oh, resins, toxic. you know, <laughs> using plastic <laughs> resins, creating. Wow. I'm, I mean, we're talking like five feet by eight feet, hyper-realistic wow. sculptures. So, um. So I learned how to live cast and then, you know, one of my friends got pregnant and said, you know how to live cast. You're an artist. I love your work. Would you make a pregnancy sculpture for me? And I did and sort of got pressed right away. And that's how my, my. That's dope. How did you get pressed right away? Just right time. Yeah, just weirdly. Like Mm -hmm. I I had this piece, I posted about it. I was contacted by like a big mom blog, mom trends in in New York. And they sent over a woman who was pregnant and I did a piece for her and she wrote a story about it. And you know, that's how things sort of propel themselves. I love that. Yeah. I applied to Sarah Lawrence in Hampshire and I got them both and I went to Hampshire. Nice. I love Sarah Lawrence. Yeah, it was... I feel like it might have been actually the better <laughs> choice for me. It's funny. But... I applied to Hampshire also. <laughs> you know, people who applied to those, it's yeah. like a... It's um, a certain breed. Sarah Lawrence is wonderful. I I think all schools should be run like Sarah Lawrence from mm-hmm. an early age, mm-hmm. you know, picking and choosing what you're interested totally. in. Totally. Okay, cool. And so then you did that and then were you... Did you feel like, okay, this is really a niche that I want to fill? Like this is something that could really grow into something or? So what, so the deep, so the deeper reason why I really loved, um, loved working on the pregnancy sculptures, I was with my husband and, you know, there was just, I just became fascinated with, with having a baby. Like Mm -hmm. it became a really strong pull for me, but it didn't make sense because I was, really much younger and me and my husband got together in college. So we yeah. were, you know, kind of a, a very young couple, but I felt this like need to be with women who were pregnant, who were going through that process. Mm-hmm. And so it started as that, as me honoring them and wanting that community, wanting to start building that community for myself. But then when I became pregnant and had Oliver and it, you know, nothing prepares you for it. And the, um, just the heartbreak and the love and mm. this feeling of wanting to protect. And also, I feel like as a woman, when you're centered in your family, there's an understanding that you kind of need to create that space for how your family grows. Mm-hmm. So all of these things hit me hard, really hard. And it totally changed how I made these sculptures for women and how mm. what I understood as deeper importance in them because I that's when I started really bringing in the more esoteric religious iconography, archetypal symbols and energies that connected women to their power and mm. served as served as a sort of like shield or protection. Mm, to ground their family. So that's when the work pivoted into that sort of meaning. And that's when I started writing kind of like a little essay and book about all the symbols and Mm. really learning about the women, you know, like Mm -hmm. what their 
ancestry was, how they met their partner, what I always ask, what is your, if you had one wish for your family, Mm. what would it be? And what's your biggest fear that you wish you could eliminate? Mm. And then from that, trying to pull their power into a symbol so they can look at that and know, you know, I have this because you know, it's hard. Yeah. And I loved having that. It's a totem basically. Yes. Because I I do that a lot. The same affirmations or prayers that you just mentioned with my postpartum clients, you know, because we 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 can bring so much power through intention. Yes. But I think it's so beautiful to have that literal image yes. on your shelf that you right. can, you know, look at every day and, and circle back and like, what is my true intention for my family? Uh, there's this book out and I haven't read it yet, but, and I've, I can put it in the show notes, the, uh, the name of it, but it's basically like these, this couple and their business entrepreneurs and having like a mission statement for your family. Like what yes. are your goals? Like how to run your family like a successful business yes. that works for everybody. Yes. And I just was like, that is incredible. Because so much of the time I feel like, you know, obviously we grow and we figure out and we advance and and it's all part of the journey, but to be really conscious about it all is what totally. it's all about. What are, what's, what are like three words that are guiding yeah. how you work and that mm-hmm. you can return to? Because mm-hmm. things get hectic. I mean, atrophy, yeah. right? It's like totally. natural order of things. And you want to bring it back and pull mm-hmm. it back to, your, to the core for your yeah. family. And I think growing up, how amazing would that be for our kids? Just to be like, look, kindness is one of our three words. You know, what happened today was that in loving kindness, you know, and they can really, oh, no, it wasn't actually, you know, and, yeah. and be a part of it. Yes. Instead of just putting these projections and rules onto them. Yeah. And I, I've been thinking a lot about like, you know, in terms of when you when you have work and finding why is it important to you and mm-hmm. what's the deeper meaning. In terms of making art, you know, you can say it's like decorative or whatever, but how you... Um, so everyone, you can hear those birds. That is the <gasps> oh, wild wow. pack of parrots. To live in this neighborhood. Stop it. That is amazing. <laughs> They're gorgeous and green and they swoop by like twice a day. They were domesticated parrots. No. That escaped. And then it's this massive tribe. <laughs> that is <laughs> so cool. <laughs> See, you're in a very special place. I know. Place. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. It makes me so happy every day. So anyway. Um, but, <laughs> but in terms of having totems and having um, like you have all these gorgeous crystals around and and art that you love. Mm. Life, when you are building a family, when you're creating life, it gets really complicated. And I find that oftentimes, if you have set your home up in a way Mm. that can hold space for when you can't, Mm. that is like a really big gift that you Mm. give yourself and everyone in it. And if you have, you know, you know, sometimes like, you know, you go, my husband's from the Midwest and I love the Midwest Mm -hmm. and there's, (laughs) I do. And, but you know, there's quotes on the walls, like all these, you know, you know, like love and family Mm -hmm. and, you know, you see those and peace be with you on your way and these sort of, you know, things that you can get in your average store or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think about that, like for the, think about a hard day, you know, you haven't been in touch with your kids and you're sort of frenzied and haven't been able to really give the time and space. But then in your home, you have these things that are on the wall, the pictures of your family, a beautiful piece of art, a saying, and suddenly it, it fills in that gap. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think there's something really important about all the things you surround yourself, being able totally. to support that. These extensions of your love. And have the space too and the, the, you know, the uncluttered, which, you know, the, what's her name? Marie Kondo. Yes. You know, she's a um, Shinto priestess. Really? Like, so it's all actually, I don't want to say religious, but it's all spiritual work. It's like we clutter, you know, in our society, we have so much stuff. It's like we work and, you know, live kind of to the man to have more stuff where it's actually like when you can really look at your habits habits and your patterns and see all the stuff that we're just, you know, have to carry around, like, you move all the time. You yeah. saying you move once basically a year. Once a year. Like I just did a big a move. And I already want to get rid of more stuff. And it's just, it's been like each box. It's like, what, what do I really need of this? And I think, you know, there's so much in childhood development about having too much stuff. It's not good for them. It's not good for us. So I love that too, of like having the things that really make you feel good, your touchstones through your day in your home, but then also being able to see them. 
yes. and having the space around it. Yes, for sure. And being and being specific and intentional yeah, exactly. about what it is. And I like the idea. So I don't know, but there's the Ames house, Charles and Ray's mm-hmm. Ames. Mm-hmm. And I've like gone deep into them. Like mm. I'm there. I'm into their philosophy. And Ray was a huge collector. I mean, she, if you gave her a beautifully wrapped gift, she would not open it. Wow. Because she was so like touched by the gift, the way it was wrapped. Wow. So her friends started giving her the gift separately from the wrapping so because funny. they knew that she wouldn't throw it out. But when you look at the house, wow. um, which everyone, if you're in LA or you can, you should go to and check it out. I've never been. You'll see it's, there are a lot of things. It is not cluttered. It is like, it's spiritual and it's mm. intentional. Mm. Like everything Beautiful. was considered, but there's a lot of it. They're mm-hmm. collectors, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's just, you can go into a space and you know the difference. Yeah. You know? Totally. Yeah. And we become so numb to it, just blind, you know? And know. then it's kind of like you might go on vacation or you go to your mom's house or whatever shifts your perspective and you come back and you see it and you're like, oh my God, I've been living like that I know. for like 10 years. I know. My Tupperware drawer looked like that. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny you said that because I just finally invested in a shoe rack. Mm, yeah. Because awesome. I just like was like occasionally lining them up, but really mm-hmm. it was more of a pile. A corral, you know? a pile. It was like a really organ- gentle pile. <laughs> mess. No, I know it's true, but it's almost interesting. It's like, why do you finally feel like I have I have the energy to create this space, yeah. you know? That was literally one of the selling points is this built-in by our front door because all the shoes go in there. The woman that lived here was Chinese. So it's like clearly part of the plan because we had two shoe racks in our old place. Yeah. No, um, a, cl- a yeah. shoe closet. It's is- really exciting. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> it really changes the space. Okay, so you started doing that in New York and you were mm-hmm. what, like 22, 23, 24? Yeah, around then. Had Oliver, um, had a really awesome studio in Brooklyn that mm. I'll always have very, very fond feelings about. It was in this building called the 1876. And you probably see, like they used to be in the back of the building. They always shot like movies and stuff. Mm, so I'd look yeah, out the cool. window and it would be like Kevin Bacon doing something, oh, wow, whatever. That's cool. But um, it was a really cool studio. And I was basically on a bridge mm. between two old buildings. So I had windows in the front and the back. Oh my gosh. And it was like wow. open underneath me. It was a really sweet spot. Wow. And um, I would have like, I would have women gatherings there and new moon ceremonies and creative workshops and so things cool. like that. When I had Oliver, I'm like, this is going to be great. I'm just going to wear mm. him. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to paint. I'm just mm. going to, you know, it'll be totally chill. I got a little like play thing. Meanwhile, all of a sudden, like the reality is motherhood. I'm like, what are these walls made out of? Right. Every time <laughs> like the wind blow, the place mm-hmm. shook and like the bricks were like shedding things. As soon as Oliver could start to crawl. So mm-hmm. like this happened for about five months. It was like, forget it. He doesn't right. want to sit in a pen watching totally. me like right. paint. Um, <laughs> So that reality hit pretty quickly. And then it's the winter and they didn't plow the roads at all. So it's like icy. And there's all these like very cute hipsters walking around. I'm there with my baby. Everything changes. (laughs) Everything shifted. And I was pretty naive about Mm -hmm. that. Um, So a couple months later, just the opportunity to move to LA came. And we did. And... I just loved it so much. Mm. And it was a great time with Oliver and the house we lived in gave me space mm. and slowly navigating that line of getting help to mm-hmm. do work and still being a new mom and not knowing anything that I was doing. I think I met you right in that point. I think you so just too. lived here a little bit. Yeah. Oliver was probably around a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. I remember because I did a little Reiki session on you or like crystal work. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I, I literally was like, she's like 16. And then you started talking about your kid and I was like, whoa. I mean, you really, I mean, you were a young mom by LA standards. Yeah. But not really. You were what, 28? Yeah, at that point no, it was But you look very youthful. You got great skin. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a really great session. Yeah, that was actually cool. was very shifting for me. I was in a bit of, that's like a foggy time, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah, the first two years. Yeah. And I was doing it with, you know, I worked with women for so long. I had a lot of like very big ideas about what you should do. And then I did zero mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah. Because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And you don't know you're tired. Yeah. 
you don't really, you're in it and Mm -hmm. you don't realize that it could be different. Yeah. So that, but that whole experience actually strengthened what I feel like I offer Mm -hmm. women and and families because I'm like, I really understand. I feel and I think, I don't know. I think you might have to figure it out on your own. I don't know if there's a way. I think it's a part of it. I think it's a big part of it. Yeah. Um, But I do think having that support and being around women that have gone through it and and offer that support in a very um, like non-judgmental way because you still have to go through your own lessons, but just to know there are different options and and being that that voice of like, okay, this really isn't working. Maybe you can detach from the dogma that you thought you wanted to be this way before you had a kid. And now it's like maybe time to like look at some other options and yes. course correct it. God, if I had you. Well, if I had me, that's why I'm doing this. Oh my God. <laughs> or anyway, I mean, after the first baby, it was just like, I mean, I was talking to a friend, we we're texting last night. It, we both really suffered for three years, really suffered. And we didn't know. I had no idea until about a year and a half. And I was like, wow, I have like real birth trauma. Yeah. And I haven't slept at all. Yeah. And my baby's sleeping, but I'm not sleeping. And, you know, it just, you know, we all have our journey, but it it does inform you and it informs our work. I would not be a doula probably if I hadn't gone through it. Right. And the beauty of a second kid is that you really learn, you don't have to suffer. And that's what I was texting with my friend last night. It's, it's such a healing opportunity because we don't have to do that same thing again. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think about what's that comedian? She's like, I have suffered enough. Yeah. <laughs> what's her name? Um, Ali Wong. Ali Wong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like done with the suffering. Like let's change that paradigm. Well, that martyr, you know, even it's interesting about archetypes and how women sort of navigate our cultural societal expectations. Yeah. And what surprised me as someone who has never been a martyr Mm. is how easily that archetype just shows Mm -hmm. up to lead you through early parenthood. Yeah. Like it wasn't, it it kind of like perplexed me Mm -hmm. in, in hindsight, like how quickly you lose the desire even to put yourself anywhere near first. Like mm-hmm. you have this baby, your focus is entirely on that baby. And I mean, I understood about nutrition. I worked for a naturopath for a while, um, which was awesome. JJ Purcell, she's mm. she's epic. And so I knew a lot about nutrition and and healthy eating. And it's like, I was breastfeeding I did not think about feeding myself. Like I just, mm-hmm. it just, I was so, um, my mind was so occupied with the present like yeah. needs. But yeah. in hindsight, I'm like, a baby's kind of easy. Like what was so hard? I know. Well, that's the thing too. <laughs> then it keeps progressing and you're right. like, wait, <laughs> I should have been napping. Yeah. I should have been eating lentil soup. I know it's, yeah. it's wild. Yeah. I mean, and again, like that is the beauty of growing. And if you do go and have more kids is you just know, like they, they can cry for 30 seconds while you go to the bathroom. Like you actually can just put them on the floor on a towel and a cushion and like wash your hair. It's, you know, we just don't know these things. I know. We don't know and these things. The other thing I think back on is like, you know, I know I'm not alone in this, but in Brooklyn, in my apartment, in like the heat of the summer and then the cold of the winter. My husband was back at work like day seven. Yeah, You know, I told you I didn't have a lot of peers that had kids. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have that community. Um, I had a couple of really great friends that did. But um, for the most part, it was a really isolating experience, yeah. you know, and I was alone, you know, being an artist, a lot of your work is alone. It wasn't mm-hmm. in community. And I just, that's something that's really powerful about what's going on here in Los Angeles that I feel is there is a real support system mm-hmm. of women doing amazing things like what you're doing and just such an easier road to navigate. Yeah. And we have resources, you know, which yeah. is great. Yeah. And, you know, I love that I can text all my mom friends if I need X, Y, and Z and they can do the same for me, you know? And we just, it really, we're just, I'm so grateful. And there's an honesty about the experience yeah. too. Yeah. You know, and the good and the bad of it. Yeah. That's really... So it is all of it. And like, why wouldn't it be all of it? Right. You know, and it's just the past generations, I feel like had so many expectations put on them, you know, by the patriarchy mostly. And, you know, it's no wonder they were all pill poppers, at least wh- who I come from. You know, it was like 
all like very beautiful on the outside and then like a lot of suffering on the inside, you know? That all goes down to your kids. So I just think having the conversations makes it so much more deep for all of us, you know, that I can have these conversations with my daughter who's not even eight yet about how things are challenging or she asked me, was birth really painful? And I can, um, you know, share in a way that she can hear it and see all the positive in it, but also be honest about it. You know? That's really cool. Yeah. Because I don't think it's also great just to be like, no, everything was so great. So you, you're you here. And it's like, that shit was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And it was all worth it because you're here. And it is the biggest thing a woman physically will go through, you know? And she can hear that and she can know that. We can like, she can ask all the questions she wants, you know? That's wonderful. Yeah. I think there's like, I think there is this, I even feel myself doing it. You don't want to like, scare yeah, a new mom totally. or like a woman who's pregnant. Yeah. You don't want to be like, I know. it's going to be fucking hard. <laughs> You're going to have some hard moments. You're going to have like blissed yeah. out moments. Totally. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's elevating your like span yeah, of everything. emotion. So, you know, you don't want to just say it's totally hard, but it, there's hard moments, but I think you don't want to you know, yeah. you're, you're as an elder, as someone who's been through it, it's like, you don't want to scare them. And you don't want to say, but there's always this hope, like maybe it won't be for that right. <laughs> at all. And you Literally, don't want to put that anything is the in their line head. I walk every single day of my life in my work. Yeah, I Literally. Bet. I it's bet. like, and every different woman has a different threshold. And it's so tricky. It's so tricky because my whole intention when I became a postpartum doula, even before I even knew what that really was, I would talk to my girlfriends immediately after I had Jemima and be like, I'm just going to speak the truth right now because no one is saying this and you need to know what this is. And so it kind of organically grew from there. But yes, you have to honor that everyone has their own journey, their own lessons. So putting fear doesn't help that. Right. But it's also information. And so giving the information, but then offering your resources. And I'm always here for you when these do come up, if they do come up. Yeah, it's normal. It happens. It's Yeah. Because we are, I mean, you are going to go through a host of things. Um, But... I don't know. For me, it's just, I hate, and this happens literally all the time when a friend or a woman says, you know, no one told me this. And it's like, well, they did in their own way, but no one wants to scare you. And, you know, I, I do have a friend where I was loving, but honest about a lot, but she couldn't hear it because she wanted just to stay so positive. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, babe actually did say that. You know, <laughs> I'm not saying I told you so, but just like, I did mention that that was something that could come up, you know? And so it's just, it's all of it. Yeah. And, and and like, and a reframing of it, permission for it. It's a really yeah. vulnerable time. You know, it just is. Yeah. And the permission is a huge piece. Just permission. the permission to feel whatever you need to feel and go through it and then ask for help when you need it, you know? And that's the biggest thing for all of this. And as mothers, because it's not just like getting through the first six weeks and then like everything's peachy. No, it's a solid amount of time. It's it's like life. It's It's the rest rest of your life. My mom just sent me a really silly thing where it's like, why is it when you're preparing for birth, you learn how to take deep calming breaths. And then as soon as your baby's born, Mm. you hold your breath for the next 30 years. Oh my God. Isn't that the truth? It's part of it for sure. I think the best, thing I received after having Oliver was a letter from Heidi. She is a co-owner of Balak Tea in Brooklyn, which is like, if you like tea, mm, just check out Balak. Okay. Um, and I was obviously a pretty regular customer there. And she said, it was a really elegant note. And she said, enjoy all the bewildering moments as best you can. Mm. And for some reason, like, it was just, and I and I stole it, and I say it mm, to everyone. I love that I love because that. it sums it all up. Mm-hmm. It's bewildering, and after after having older kids, you understand it. There is a preciousness. Not to get too poetic about it, it's mm-hmm. precious. Yeah, enjoy it as best you can, acknowledging that it is going to be hard to enjoy it. Yeah, and it it was a really profound mm. sentence and statement, and it stuck with me, and it kind of. It didn't go too deep into all the dark, heavy stuff. Right. It didn't romanticize all the beauty stuff, which all of it is true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, baby gazing, you're just like, yeah. oh my gosh, you know, know. There, that exists too, the magic of it. 
just like kind of encapsulated mm. it in a really great way. I love that. That's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Because it does encapsulate it all. And motherhood is all of the things. I mean, I think that is, there's no other place where all the paradox holds that much truth is in motherhood. You know, it's holding the good and the bad, the light and the dark, pretty, you know, at all times. It's true. Because you love this being with every ounce and cell of your body, you would do anything. And then that opens you up to a whole massive level of fear and anxiety, bringing them into this world. I know. know? And looking at the world and just wanting it to be safe. And that's why I do feel there is a shift. And I think with work like we're doing, Mm -hmm. that is bringing women back into their power to help create the communities and life and environment where our babies can thrive and for us to feel safe in it. Because in certain ways, we've really moved away from that culturally. Totally. And there's like a returning to center. And how can you, how, like, I question this within myself. This is a rhetorical question. But it's like, how can you feel safe and whole if you're just busy away from your kids all the time? Because our kids are an extension of us. And this is something we were talking about before I started recording of, you know, after every like busy work cycle, I kind of re-examine like, what, what are my main goals? Like, why am I doing this? What is the balance between working that I love and being with my kids, you know? And you know. it's a constant juggle and a constant rebalancing act. Because at different points in my life, in different months, you know, I have kind of different ambition or different intention. So it's really interesting. I mean, I feel like as a mom working, it's it's very complicated to, f- to figure all those things out. And, but... Yeah. I know for myself, if I'm working, especially with another baby and another mom, it feels very uh, out of any kind of integration if I don't feel like my baby's being so well taken care of in those hours I'm away from her, you know? Right, right. So, you know, it's just as a society of like looking at moms that work eight to 12 hours a day and then don't even have time to pump or breastfeed. And, you know, it's, it's just very deep of like culturally what, how that's affecting all of us. And what, what are you what are you trading and yeah, and exactly. what like you were saying like in service to what yeah. ideology right. like what's really the end game in this like listen if you are working it's really complicated listen my mom worked I was born six weeks later my mom worked she had a really mm. beautiful career like loved working mm-hmm. got to travel all around super successful. I was raised me to be very like feminist minded. Mm -hmm. And I always make the joke like the things I resent about her are not that she worked. Mm. You know, that's not it. Mm. But that being said, she loved what she was doing and Mm. she needed to do it. And I understood Mm -hmm. that. So I think that like we were talking about intention, it's like if you are working because you want the things and you want the stuff and you want to keep up and you have never written that me- that mission statement mm-hmm. for your family and you're just sort of feeding like the, the gods of corporate America. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But if you're working because of a deep passion, I think that anything can be forgiven. Yeah. And that fulfills your soul. And, yeah. And then also, you know, with that, we're holding that even having this conversation is because we're coming from a place of privilege too, that we have the choices even look at hundred so percent yes. it is so it's deep you know well that and that's the thing like totally but the whole system needs debunking no so, it's true you know even if you do have to work having but there you know, are ways there, there are, are ways, ways and and that's the thing creative like, ways to our figure it out. culture isn't setting it up you can live a life yeah. that doesn't cost a lot of money yeah you could you can live creatively in a way that centers yourself and your family and yeah. your ethics and your ethos that doesn't yeah. require you busting your butt. Totally. There's and not everyone has to live in a, their own house. You know, I mean, it, most communities and traditions never did that. No, We're these I know. Little boxes by ourselves with like crazy mortgages, so then you're just you know beholden to that. It's like there's communities, there's I know. house sharing, there's communes. I mean, there's all different ways to do it. We think we're out of indentured servitude and it's like, it's mm-hmm. one of them. Once you start seeing it that way and you understand it that way, it's very hard to like unsee it that yes. way. You know? And it's scary too when you start to actually look at it because no. it's also built on the other, you know? It, yeah. I'm I'm optimistic. I think that the internet, I think what's happening like, 
there's a return. Do you know like wavy gravy mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that whole vibe that mm-hmm. was happening in the 60s and 70s and midwives just sort of training themselves mm-hmm. and learning how to give birth to each other and sort of outside of the medical system and yeah. returning to sort of these this this wisdom. I think that there is a growing number of people and especially with the internet, these communities don't yeah. need to be, what is it? It's suffocating, mm-hmm. right? To think about creating community with just people and just looking at them that that's hard. But right. with the internet and the expansiveness of finding like-minded people, there's totally. a real potential to live in a way that balances all the different values that you care about. Totally. And I think that is happening. I think we're seeing that happen right now. Yeah. Kids realize like, you know, we were talking about this. College education doesn't guarantee a job mm-hmm. or a happy life. Mm-mm. And that money could be used for much more productive things. You don't need, you can go and buy some cheap land somewhere and yeah. look online how to build it and how to create, you know. Totally. It's so much more democratic now than it's ever been with information. Yeah. That I I'm ex- I think that things are gonna be shifting. It a is. Lot. We we are in little and big ways, taking the power back into our own hands. And a lot of that starts with birth and being a yes. woman in our power. And yes. and that's my whole thing is like, as a doula, I support and heal, I mean, help women heal themselves by just creating a safe container, right? As my own woman, I have very strong convictions, the way that I like things to be done. And it's all about education. And then women can make those choices for themselves. But I do think you know, whether you do hospital birth, home birth, none of it is right or wrong if you're in power of it. Yes. And so that's been the whole movement. And I do feel like people feel shamed or that people are judging them. But really the whole movement is about, no, you just being educated, you knowing the questions to ask, you guiding the ship. And then however it goes down, great, if that works for you. But owning that power is massive. And it's so exciting to see us reclaim that you know? Agreed. And not how like my grandmothers gave birth being drugged and, you know, not conscious. <sighs> and that of course leads into the rest of your life. You know, if you are out to lunch for the biggest kind of portal of time of your life, like it's just, it's so interesting how it carries through. And yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. It's, being a mother, you're confronted all the time, like we talked about, that mm-hmm. container, holding space, making choices, standing up for the best interests of your children. And if you allow, you're going to be vulnerable when you're giving birth. Mm-hmm. You're going to be vulnerable afterwards. If you surround yourself with people who can hold space and strength for you mm-hmm. during those moments, you are much better prepared to regain your strength and then continue to hold that strength for your children and your mm-hmm. family. If you're in a situation where you say, you know, I, I have friends and I'm like, I'm obsessed with you. This is amazing. And she's like, I'm getting a C-section. I scheduled it. It's awesome. Like, I love my mm-hmm. doctor. This is the day I'm doing it. I'm going to get my eyelashes put on first. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. She was empowered. She left that situation empowered. Mm-hmm. What I don't like is when the person is said, oh, your baby's getting kind of big. Let's mm-hmm. induce. Oh, you know, your baby's in distress. Let's give you a C-section. All of a sudden, all these things happened when you're so vulnerable outside of your control. That's heartbreaking it to is. me. That experience so. is really upsetting because you didn't make that choice. Yeah. And to know that you have that power, you get to choose who you pick, mm-hmm. you have a voice and knowing the people you surround yourself, where you choose to give birth, the doctors you choose will inform that. Mm-hmm. You can't just go silently into that no. good night, no. you know? You have to be an advocate for yourself so and, and it continues yeah. with your children. Yeah. You need, you know, it's, and it's just... Constant. And it's not always comfortable, you know? I know. You, it's you, not the path of least resistance. It's definitely always. not. Having children is not because you, you are that advocate and you feel it so deeply, you know, always learning like that balance of when do you really need to speak up? When do you need your child to learn that lesson on their own? Mm-hmm. Something I read the other day, I've got to find where it was, but I think it was a, a dad saying... When my child is complaining to me about a problem or something that happened at school, I ask, do you want an ear? Do you want advice? Or do you just want comfort? And I was like, that is so beautiful. Oh, I know, it gives me that chills. Is so good. I need to be saying that to I like know. my husband, yeah, to everyone. Totally. Of just like, wh- kind of, how do you want me to hold space for you in this moment? Yeah. And not try to project my own stuff on it and just, 
you know, because I feel like a lot of times we're guessing what the other person needs, but by actually asking them, it just, it creates a lot of extra static. So true. Yeah. That's so, so true. So I'm going to start implementing that or trying to. Yeah. And I think as women, something else, like we're talking about how much you have to advocate for yourself and, you know, but there's also such a thing as hypervigilance mm. that I think we all oh, yes. get, like that yeah. we get stuck into because the balance of it, like, and this is what I always incorporate into my pieces mm-hmm. is there's always a protective element to remind you yeah. that it's good. Yeah. Like you don't need to be hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. You don't need to look around every corner because I think mothers, there's a switch that happens yes. and it's painful. To be in the hypervigilant state is a very painful it's state horrible. to be in. And to remember, it's okay. Yeah. Your, your children have chosen yeah. to come into this world. We're all okay. We're all, you know, failing forward as a yeah. collective, as a humanity, as a totally. whatever we're doing. And there are things that can protect, that are protecting you, are mm-hmm. guiding you. Nothing is going to happen to you that you can't handle. Mm-hmm. And to just, to lean into that faith. No matter what your birth was, it's what you needed. It's what yeah. your child needed. It was chosen. It was, you know, divinely orchestrated. And and to just, to know that, you know, that hypervigilance mm-hmm. is like, oh, you gotta. I know. I feel that so deeply when you're it. saying that. And yeah. I think that's having a spiritual practice or prayers you can do every day to protect your family. Yeah. It releases it, you know? Yeah. Because I lived in that for like, four to five years. Like I didn't sleep for three years because I was so hypervigilant. I could not turn off. I was totally in flight syndrome. It took me years to heal. Yeah. And and you're not going to make the best so choices big. then either because no, everything's a threat. Based. And you're like white knuckling. And mm-hmm. then you're also not the kindest to maybe your partner because you're so freaked out that yeah, this I one way you. is like the best way. Yes, I feel you. And um. It's, but it is, it's like we naturally click into some of that becoming a mother. Yes. Hormonally it happens. But then Mm -hmm. it, I feel like society and having this like perfect mom thing and like, you should know this and you, you know, there's so much information out there, which is on one hand, great. And the other hand it's making us all fucking nuts. Oh, I'd be much better off if I knew a quarter of what I know. Yeah. Like for I mean, sure. but like with the second baby, I like didn't go to prenatal. I didn't talk to anyone about my pregnancy, really. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't read any books. Amazing. And I was just like, this yeah. This has to be very personal and very just spiritual led because I don't want to talk about it. Like someone just asked me to do a um, like a panel discussion on toddler foods. I'm like, no, I don't. I have zero interest in doing that. And <laughs> women just need to figure out what toddler foods work for their kids. Like it doesn't have to be the science. Gosh, I just gave him like full vegetables. Yeah, and, like I, mean, I did. I did very like, little. In that. <laughs> like every, but I'm just saying, like everything is so hyper focused on, I and know. like no wonder we're exhausted because like every little decision is just becomes this huge world upon its own. I know, I know, and I feel like if women just hear that and know that, if you if you just can see that with yourself, or even talk to your partner about it before you have the baby, of like I'm concerned that this could be a thing. And then in a loving way, they can bring it up to you. I'd be like, you know, babe, I just, I see you really kind of feel yes. like ravaged and yes. <laughs> really stressed. Like, how can I help? And like, how can we like bring your nervous system down? Because no, it's, it's true. It's a very physical thing. It is. It and is it clicks physical. You in. And um, yeah. No, it's, I know. It's, it's gnarly. It's really gnarly. My husband tries. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it, and it can be helpful. It can be helpful yeah. to just be like, okay, you're really... Ha- yeah. The thing he'll tell me when I'm in that state, because it does happen, is I know you think that this is a really big deal, mm-hmm. but it isn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that helps, you know, yeah. it helps a little. Yeah. Because I there's a part of me that knows that yeah. that's true. And sometimes if I just like even take a breath and walk outside and it is just a perspective change. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, that I I was so committed to that choice or that feeling, and then just getting a second to breathe and change my perspective, it really isn't like make or break, you know. And there are certain things like there's certain allies you can have, like like we were talking about having totems around your mm-hmm. home, but also like herbal allies, you yes. know, like a really good nervine, like 
chamomile tea, oat straw for me mm. is really amazing. And most, you know, you can get that online or in a co-op or something. And I do all the adaptogens. Yeah. Usually the all the time. Like yeah. that really helps my nervous system. Yeah. For me, like I, I've, I've tried the adaptogens, but I had to go, I go towards like the herbal, nervine yeah. herbal stuff. Maybe I should do that too. Um, just the practice of like making a cup of tea or whatever. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, I always loved chamomile tea, like loved. And I found out before my grandma died that my great grandma, who was an immigrant from Italy, that was her go-to for everything. Mm-hmm. She'd always I make herself that. a cup of tea if the kids didn't feel well, if her children didn't feel well. That was such a staple, mm-hmm. which I never knew. And it was just something I sort of gravitated to. And now when I drink it, Mm-hmm. I have this sort of feeling of being supported by her mm-hmm. and it and it helps me I when I think about what she went through and what how she mothered her children and the choices she made and then the, with the chamomile tea I just feel protected and mm-hmm. sort of like I could sink into mm-hmm. a moment of of being cared for mm-hmm. so so beautiful so that can sort of take me out of it you yeah. know Totally. In those moments. And I think that's such an incredible point. That's something I want to work deeper on, but I've been doing that more of really calling in my ancestors with all the stuff we have going on in California right now and my nervous system being more ravaged than normal. Really calling on my ancestors of, they went through some hard shit, you know? Yeah. Like life as human has never been easy. Yeah. And to call Life as a mother that, has never been yeah, easy. Yeah, life as a mother has never been easy. And- Honestly, a lot harder than it is right now. For you sure. Know? So, you know, mothers wouldn't let themselves get attached to their children in the same way. What, you know, children are now sort of the prize of families and yeah. are cultural. But when you really look at some of the histories, I mean, not everywhere, and this is an overstatement, but mothers wouldn't let themselves because the rate of death was so high. It's unbelievable. You know, so they had to protect themselves in a different way and have a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's deep. It is. And the thing the thing is, is when we talk about the hypervigilance, when we're talking about some of the stuff about birth that comes up and the ways we're mitigating it in our own talents and, and ways, we're talking about lots of generations of this sort of stuff. Like we're talking about a thread that goes back far for for women and mothers of... of um, the ways that they've had to survive and help their children survive that weren't always easy and the choices yeah. they had to meet, make, what they were confronted with within their culture. Of course, there was probably beautiful lifetimes and ancestors and there's really tragic, traumatic times. And, and we know now that lineage things get passed down. Yeah, They did a study, this is a little bit hard that they do things like this, but they did a study with rats. And they took a group of, of female rats and every time they went near cinnamon, they gave them a shock mm. for about a week. And then there was a control group of women rats that didn't, uh, of female rats, not women rats. <laughs> <laughs> They're hybrids. Um, and then they had babies. And the babies of the rats who got shocked every time that they had cinnamon had an aversion to cinnamon. Wow. The babies who were in the other control group had no issue. So wow. it's it's part, it's evolutionary, it's, it's survival. Us, yeah. So there's reasons why we have these fears yeah. and they get passed down and then to live in a place and be like, you know what, actually we can heal this. This does, this can end here mm-hmm. or do your best to clean it up as much as you can, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then move forward. Yeah, and it, it comes back to that decluttering, you know? Yes. So really- acknowledging what is ours, what's not ours. And I, you know, I want to go deeper into that work. So if anyone has a great facilitator or person, a woman that does this kind of work, please uh, message me. But to really know what parts of our story we can let go of finally. Totally. So yeah. It's space. all a metaphor. Yeah. Your home, yourself, your psyche. Yeah. yeah. Because we are going to have, obviously, different issues right now for our kids than... They did, you know, 200 years ago. Yeah, for sure. And some of it's the same. So it's a just, lot is the yeah, same pulling too. it all, you know, yeah. pulling out the, the pieces. So what are you working on right now? Um, so I'm still doing my my pregnancy sculptures and womb bowls. And- so how does that work? Like, do you like to be the woman to be a certain month? Like, how, how does that kind of work? Well, I've actually had women who've done it like 
across, like did a three month and each trimester oh, one, like cool. to show the growth. Um, but oftentimes I would say like around eight months. So you're still pretty comfortable and you're not going to get much bigger between eight and nine months. Um, so you can really get the, the, um, the shape of it, which mm-hmm. is just so gorgeous. And same with the bowls, you know, with the bowls, it's a little more subtle of an aesthetic. So you, you know, if you have a full cast, you know what you're looking at. Right. With the bowl, you get the boobs yeah, and the yeah, belly. Yes. Yeah. So with the with the bowls, it's a little bit more of a subtle sort of um, object. So you cast the belly and then you just trim around and make it like an actual beautiful bowl. Yes. And then, you know, you do the design on the outside and then the inside. And some women so cool. only want the outside done so they can have sort of mementos oh, on the cool. inside, you know, things that are special to mm. them. Um, and then I do family crests where I work with the family and, and create sort of like what we we're talking about, mm-hmm. a mission statement for the family in the form of the crest, like going back to um, sort really of like, cool. yeah. Uh, so that's really fun. And then I'm working on a tarot deck with a dear oh. friend. Yes. Which is, that's just a labor of love. Uh, she's been trying to get me into it forever, which makes sense because I have a mind for this. And I think mm. I always knew like, I can't. Mm-hmm. Go there. <laughs> but I love archetypes and I mm-hmm. love the story. And so I've been making a deck and I'm working on a series called the Armor series because I've, you know, this is like a theme that I have thought of. And I'm doing casts of women that I find very inspiring and strong mm-hmm. and creating sort of a, a an exhibit of the armor of That's it. So cool. Yeah. So Which you're going to be involved I'm in. I'm excited. <laughs> yes. Unreal. So yeah. will that be boobs and belly or like whole yes. torso? Yes. And cool. it's, it's going to be different because it is to be armor. It's like sort of mm-hmm. what you wear, your protection, what you share, what mm. you show. And it's sort of a play on what all women are doing all the time. But again, the consciousness of mm. it, picking and choosing what you want your, your totem to be or your symbol to be that, you know, creates that space in the world that you're mm. living in. I love that. Yeah. So that I have to still decide. I'm still talking to a couple of different places about how to show it and where to show it. I'm pretty particular about that being, you know, I worked with galleries when I was younger and Mm. then I became commission-based and sort of took control in Mm. that way. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is more of a business aspect Mm -hmm. of it, but it's another way that things are sort of decentralizing. And so I need, I'm, I'm going to, I'm pretty specific about who I like to work with and in that regard, because it's a lot of, Love so then you I have the freedom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Could you just rent your own space? I could. Hang, yeah, yeah. I could do that. Yeah. But it's all about the right partnerships. And right. Connections. Totally. And, yeah. And that you can reach more people. And yeah. All of that. So that, so I've been working on that series a lot. And then in addition to the armor, there's like sacred objects and bowls and, mm. you know, spears and daggers and things of that mm. nature that goes along with it. Just bringing in that sort of archetype of the sacred object and mm. um, armor and power and warrior energy. So it's beautiful. Yeah. We need it. I mean, we do need it. We so need the reminders of it yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then how many, kind of ideally, how many pieces would you have for that? How many different women? I want to do 12. Cool. Actually, I recently decided that I might want to do 13 I found out that I was always 12 because I'm into astrology and I like the idea of the 12 signs, Mm -hmm. but something sort of shifted. A traditional coven for witches had 13 members because there's 13 moons in a year and it's sort of just this like off off number. It's just an interesting thing. And 13 has had like, you know, there's unlucky things. Yeah, I've always liked 13. The patriarchy comes in, they swoop in, they take the powerful things, they twist it around. So you have to be sort of questioning yeah. why are things considered totally. bad. So I like the idea of that instead of it being the 12 signs being about the 13 moons that a year mm-hmm. has. So I I, I'll, I'll feel into that more and, and mm-hmm. see how that works. Very cool. Yeah. And then there's one more question I just had I was going to ask you. Oh, what's your sign? I'm a Leo. Oh. A Leo Aquarius rising and Aries moon. Wow. Very um something. What's your actual birthday? <laughs> July 26th. Oh, cool. Yeah. And you're a Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio and Sag rising and Cancer Moon. Nice. So I'm kind of a chill Scorpio. Yeah. Until you push me too hard. Well, (laughs) as as far as chill Scorpios go. Yeah. In quotation marks. (laughs) But I'm very Sag, I feel like. 
Yeah. My I rising. Like rising I'm, I'm is pretty, powerful. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it, we're such a mix. Yeah. 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 Well, we all have all the science. Exactly. And it's really, I mean, really, and that's what I, what I like about tarot and certain things. It's like all of these are archetypes that we all express in Mm -hmm. different times. And depending on the need, if you have the knowledge of it, you can anchor into that. Yeah. It doesn't, you're not a fixed thing ever. Ever. That's really a limiting way to understand it. Yeah. And and it's such a beautiful way to, support your journey, you know, because we're all the different things in different times of our lives too. I mean, I'm almost 42 and it's like, I'm, you know, I'm stepping into a new power after I turned 40, you know, like that cliche. A lot of women have said that. very true. And it's not even something conscious at all. That's amazing. So yeah, it's interesting. It's all very interesting, but I, I love the work that you do. And yeah. I'm just so grateful to know you and to connect and have a sister in all this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Your work being is beautiful. Here. So I urge any pregnant mamas to gift yourself with this because it's something that you can carry with forever. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate so. that. Oh, and how can people find you? Um, you can go to my Instagram. It is C underscore justice, J U S T I Z underscore R. And you can go to my website, which is the same, or you can type in my name. I got like, you know, it just shows up and you can sign up for the newsletter that I send out about sort of the things that we've talked about Mm -hmm. and where you can see my work and what I'm up to and things like that. And I do, um, in addition to the pregnancy sculptures, I I host um, Blessing Ways where all the women get together and I create sort of so when you make the plaster cast, the original one, you dip the bandages in water. So what I do is I have a ceremony and everyone brings an object or a crystal or a stone or walks around the property, finds a flower, something um, meaningful that they then put into the water and we all bless the mm. water. And then with that water, we create the actual cast. Mm. And so That's it becomes beautiful. something that everyone participates in with their energy into the actual foundation of the sculpture. Oh, so I love blessing ways. Yeah. yeah, they're just so special. They really so are. Poignant. Yeah, and it and it's um, sort of like brings you to the heart of what sort of the baby shower. Yeah, um, evolved from you know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Yeah.